Are you a millennial, Gen Xer, or young boomer? Do you want to learn more about financial independence? Are you contemplating or already in early retirement? The Phi Lighter podcast highlights, or as we like to say, Phi Lights, issues around your financial independence. Join the community as we explore millennial boomer relationships and pass the best lessons down to next-gen Phi millennials. We will talk about FIRE from FU money to early retirement. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Phi Lighter Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, one of the items I posted in the Lighter blog. Uh, you can get to the Lighter blog by going to philighter.com. And this particular posting is post 10.0. The title of that one is Three Lies You Tell Yourself About Your Finances. So with the new year, it's a good time to look inward and, and think a little bit about your financial behaviors, and if some of these might be things that you might be able to approve upon in 2021. So what are these three lies? We're going to go into depth on these three, but in a nutshell, the first one is I'll buy it now and return it if it doesn't fit or meet my needs. The second lie is I'll pay off my credit card in full each month. And the third lie, I will start saving for retirement later and make it up. Do any of those sound familiar? We'll dig into each one of these three lies as we get into the episode. First, let me just tell you, I'm not an English expert, but I have come up with some alternate definitions to a few words we'll talk about in this podcast. One of those is later. What does later mean? Later means, in my mind, usually never. It may not be always never. Usually later is never. Another one of those words I'll define is tomorrow. When is tomorrow? Well, tomorrow is either never or sometime that's too late. It's almost the same as never, but usually it's much later. When do you really take action when you say, I'll do something tomorrow? Anyway, that's it for the uh, English thesaurus uh, perspective. Let's get on and talk about the first lie. Okay, in segment number one, we'll focus on the very first of the three lies you tell yourself about your finances. I'll buy it now and return it tomorrow or later if it doesn't fit or meet my needs. Does this ever happen to you? Go look in your closet. Right now, if you're at the house, go look in your closet. And in your closet, are there any items that still have the tags on them? Okay, I rest my case. I know you'll find something in there that you've never worn, but you bought. It's more than just the clothes. Clothes are a good place to start. An extra belt or a pair of shoes that just weren't really the right color and or the style was trendy and you never really got around to wearing them and they're not in anymore. Accessories that, you know, never made the cut to wear when you went out. Sometimes the items that we buy are much bigger than a pair of shoes. It could be extra cars, extra motorcycles, extra boats, extra homes, extra extras. It could be anything. These items that seem like a good idea for whatever the reason are not utilized or enjoyed like you had imagined they would be. Sometimes you see those commercials about RV camping and getting out into the outdoors maybe that starts working on you and you think, you know, I think I'd like to to try camping. So you drive down to the outside of town where the RV store is and they've got campers all lined up and you walk in and a salesman 
sells you the dream. Here's the camper. It's got everything you need and then some. You got plenty of storage space. You got bunks for the kids. You got a space for mom and dad up front. You got TV outdoors and a pull-out grill and all these things that appeal to you in that environment where you're being sold an experience. You don't have any experience. You've never had an RV in your life. So everything they tell you, you might say, pretty much you believe, right? They're not telling you, oh, by the way, you're going to write a check for insurance every six months and you're going to pay a storage unit rent and you're going to have to pay maintenance expenses on this to take care of it. You know, there's a whole lot more that goes into the experience of RV camping than just hook up the camper, take off and enjoy life. But those aren't the things that sell campers. Well, what's my point? Well, if you're going to make the purchase, you really need to know that you would enjoy the experience. One of my friends, Heidi Dusek, has a podcast called The Ordinary Sherpa. Her episode 11, if you get a chance to listen to it, if you are interested in RV camping, that's a great episode to explain the whole situation, the different types of camping, what you might want to do incrementally to decide if it's an experience you really enjoy. And she goes through a lot of detail in that episode. So I'll put that episode in the show notes. But what's another example of something? Let's just say you're trying to create an experience. You used to fish when you were a kid. Hey, I don't even have a fishing pole. I think I'll go buy some fishing poles for the family. And then you start to think, well, you know, it might be really neat if we had a boat to go out in and fish. And before you know it, you haven't wet one line in the water and tried fishing to see how much your family enjoys it. And you're already into this for $15,000, dollars $30,000. And you've got a debt payment. You've got a storage unit payment. You've got an insurance payment. And you don't even know how much you're going to enjoy doing this experience. Sometimes it's good to just give yourself a cooling off period when you come up with these great ideas and say, not that you won't do it. But you need to give it a chance to, to start at a smaller level and find out what interest there really is. You can go fishing on the bank. You can go walk out on the jetties if you're on the coast and maybe fish on the jetties. You can charter a guide service and go out and experience fishing, likely in an ideal situation where someone knows exactly what kind of bait, they know where to fish, they know how to fish, what techniques, what type of pole setups you need. And you pack your, your food and you go out and you have your food and your beverages and your fishing experience. They drive you back to the dock. They fillet out your fish. You take them home. You cook them. You eat them. You enjoy them. And you say, you know what? I like this stuff. I think I could really enjoy fishing. But you also had an experience where you saw how much work that fishing guide put in. You know, before you even arrived, he may have put his boat in the water, gone to get gas, set up the ice chest, all those preparatory work items that you don't even know took place. There's a lot more to some things than you realize. Now, all this isn't to encourage you to never move forward and try new experiences. It's just to think a little bit about before you make big commitments and purchases or even sometimes small purchases. Make sure that it's a valid item that you would really enjoy before you make that step to, to actually give your credit card number out and, and buy it and have it delivered to the house and, and sit in the closet and look at you every time you walk in and say, hey, I'm over here. You haven't warned me yet. How long is this going to take before you get rid of me? Anyway, let's move on. I, I, I know that one's kind of crazy, but, but number one is, you know, just 
if you're going to buy it and return it, if you had it to do over again, would you still make the purchase? Okay, that wraps up segment one. What is segment two? Segment two is the second lie. I'll pay off my credit card in full each month. Many of us rationalize we can get extra benefits from charging or and using specific cards. If you pay your cards off in full every month, even better, you automatically pay them so you don't even miss a payment or have a late payment that shows up on your credit report. This post is not directed to you. How consistent are you in paying off your credit cards in full? Do you know the interest rate on your balances that you roll over? Well, let's just talk about that a little bit. According to WalletHub, and all this is in post 10.0, so these details you can look at at your leisure on a computer is probably the best way to enjoy them. The average credit card interest rate for those new offers you get in the mail is 18.6%. And the average rate for all existing accounts is about 15.1%. Now, this is data from the end of last year that was available on their site. Those are pretty high numbers. 18.6, 15.1%. They're very high interest rates. And if you have excellent credit, you're still probably paying something like 13.7%. If you have fair credit, it's closer to 23.6%. Basically all over the spectrum there. In a nutshell, these are very high interest loans. Revolving credit is very expensive. How many of you would like to make those kind of returns on your stock portfolio every year? Guaranteed, those interest rates don't go away. You have to pay that interest. Can you imagine buying a stock that had a 23% dividend and all you had to do was hold that stock and get 23%? Well, if you reverse the perspective, that's exactly what these credit card companies are doing. They're holding the debt and you're paying that interest every month. Do they want you to pay that card off quickly? No, they probably don't. They enjoy making the, the money off that interest rate. Will they offer you credit that you probably don't need to be using? Sure. If you pay reliably, they'll certainly offer you a credit line that's, that's higher and, and allow you to, to draw out more debt because they're going to make a high return on that money. Those interest rates are astronomical when you talk about them compared to things like a car loan or a home mortgage. They're not even in the same atmosphere. These are stratospheric rates. Are you carrying a balance on a credit card so that you can make additional payments into your retirement plan out of your paycheck? It's probably not the best strategy. But when you have these short-term borrowings and these high interest rates, it makes it very difficult for you to begin to save money for other expenditures or the next car you plan to buy or retirement or uh, you name it, any significant goal that you need to put money away financially so that you can afford it. What if I told you that you would have a guaranteed return on investment by paying off those credit cards. Consider that. You guarantee that you will not have to pay that 17% interest rate or 23% interest rate the next month if you pay the debt off. That's a guarantee. You can't get that in stock and equity investments. That is the best way to increase the gap. Remember the gap? You're going to grow the gap, right? Income minus expenses is the gap. Well, if your expenses include a lot of interest expense on credit card debt, that is eroding the gap that you could have available for other uses. There's this one concept in accounting. It's called the matching concept. In the matching concept, you measure all the expenses that you incurred during a period with the revenues earned during that same period. So for instance, if a company sells a product and they've got to deliver that product in three months, they don't record the revenue 
the day they make the sale. They record the revenue when they deliver the product and invoice it to the customer. Even though you have a contract and you have a sale, maybe even a down payment or payment in full or payment in advance, you don't get to count that when you keep score in accounting. You don't get to count that as revenue until you fulfilled your obligations to earn that revenue. So let's take this concept and break it down to a personal level when we talk a little bit about credit cards and credit card debt. Have you ever gone on a vacation where you went on an elaborate vacation, you thought it'd be a fun trip with your friends and it was a great trip, but then you get back and that credit card bill where you charged your airfare and all the activities you did while you were gone and your hotel, all those credit card bills include that vacation experience. And you get back home and you've already had the vacation but you didn't pay for it. Now the bills are here since you've already paid for experienced that vacation and you pay the vacation at the same time, you basically match the experience with the cost for that experience. But if you continue to pay for that that vacation into the future, you're kind of pulling forward the fun and not pulling forward the pain. That pain is gonna be a lot more if you're paying for it after the fact than if you paid for it before you left. Because then you knew when you got home, you had a great time, you had a, a great experience, and you get back home and you don't have any more bills to pay because you paid it off before you left. That's the concept is if you have the funds available to experience the, the vacation or to buy the item you want to buy or whatever the case is, If those funds are available and you can afford to make that purchase in the scheme of all your other finances, then it makes sense probably. But if you're going to be paying for the next couple of years for a spring break trip you probably couldn't afford in the first place, you might want to rethink it again before you make that same step uh, the next time around. Because delayed gratification is, is a concept where, you know, maybe you save for a large purchase or a big trip for the family and you set aside money or a, a savings account with that specific purpose. And then when the time comes, you spend it with joy. You go on the trip. You have a great time and you don't come back to more debt. You come back to a refreshed experience, some great stories you can share for a lifetime, and no credit card bills. Well, that's probably the ideal situation. If you routinely carry a balance, maybe it's time to step back and say, am I spending money faster than I'm making money? Is that why I have a balance on my credit cards? Is it something where I have a routine that I just mentally think that as long as I make my minimum payment every month, you know, I'll get it paid off eventually. You've never really done the math to say, what is my take-home pay after all the deduction? And is that amount of money more than my monthly bills that include the full amount you charged on a credit card? If you're using those credit cards to, I guess the term would be, allow your lifestyle to creep up and your spending to creep up above what your income is, things are out of balance. And you you need to step back and look at those numbers and be honest with yourself and say, if my income after my taxes and my deductions, maybe you're putting money in a retirement plan, if the cash that goes into the bank, let's say in our example is $5,000 every month and your credit card bill comes in and you've got a 
10 or 15 or $20,000 balance that you're carrying on one or two or three or however many credit cards, it's kind of hard to pay off a large balance when you've got that that $5,000 coming in and you've got to pay a mortgage, you got to pay a car payment and you got to pay for groceries and you got to pay for clothes and you got to pay for utilities. And, you know, there's so many things that you have no option. You've got to pay or, you know, your water gets cut off or your lights get turned off or your your mortgage defaults. You're not going to let those things happen. So what do you do? Well, you pay the minimum because you can on a credit card and you continue to carry that balance. And it might even grow over time because you're still spending more than you should be based on what you have coming in the door. Be honest. Just be honest with yourself. Step back, look at those things, and make sure that you are really growing the gap instead of growing a negative gap where your income minus your expenses is actually a negative number and not a positive number. Okay, that's enough of credit cards. Uh, I just want to get that concept across. You will get great ROI if you pay off credit card debt. It's almost the most guaranteed thing out there in terms of returns for your dollars. So as long as you're capable of making ends meet and you're spending less than you make, you will grow the gap. Okay, some of you may wonder just how profitable the credit card business is. And I've got a couple examples for you here. There are two credit card companies, MasterCard and Visa. The symbols are MC and V. They're both public companies. And the stock prices for those companies in January 1st, 2010, was $22.78 for MasterCard and $22.75 for Visa. So how well do you think they did in the decade after that? On January 1st, 2020, MasterCard went from the 2278 number to $318.61. That's $295 a share higher. It's 1300%. Who would not be happy with a a 13x return on your money had you bought MasterCard in January of 2010? Well, what did Visa do over that same period? Well, not quite as good. But it went from $22.75 to $161 in 2020, or $138 a share or more, which was a 608% change. Six extra money in 10 years. I'd take that one too. Who wouldn't be happy with those kind of returns? Well, in a nutshell, that's just to say these are very profitable businesses, but they're only profitable because the appetite for debt and credit is so high for these companies' customers. They're willing to pay those 15 20%, 24% interest rates. Okay, that's it for segment two. Let's move on to the third lie. Many would say this is probably the most significant issue out of the three lies. But uh, number three, I'll start saving for retirement later and make it up. This is arguably the most important item on the list. Uh, It can make the path to financial independence steeper and harder than you could even imagine. Many of us would analyze this using a spreadsheet, of course, uh, and so I did do that. Uh, You can look at the spreadsheet example in the uh, blog posting. Let me just warn you, if you're one of the more mature uh, listeners out there, don't beat yourself up over this one. Uh, Time, I know, is an unrenewable resource, but you can do your best 
to save in the future going forward. It's never too late to save. You can, however, uh, help the young people in your life understand that there's tremendous value of starting as early as possible and the power of compounding your investments uh, is an incredible vehicle to accelerate your path to financial independence. So here's what I'd like to do. I know this is going to be a lot of numbers, but I want to keep it as simple as I as I possibly can here and and just communicate this with three examples. We're going to use three phylighter examples, but for simplicity's sake, all three of them have the same goal, and that is to have $2 million by the age of 50. And we're going to assume that each family will be capable of making the lifestyle changes to make the savings and investing uh, deposits required uh, to catch up. So if they delay their start, we're going to assume that they will have the means to make those deposits in the future. After reaching age 50, they will all live on about $80,000 a year using the 4% rule. We've talked about the 4% rule before. In a nutshell, $80,000, assuming that 4% is withdrawn each year, index for inflation. So one more thing around our example case, uh, it's really important that we keep most of these things consistent so the example is easy to understand and flows well. But I've made some assumptions on how much you save every year during that period from 25 to 50 or 30 to 50 or 35 to 50. And I've, I've assumed that every year you will increase the amount you save by 4%. Now, that's assuming that you get raises from year to year or you have the means to actually increase how much you save each year by 4%. Now, I've also made another assumption. I've made an assumption that your investments will grow by 8% a year. Some years obviously will be higher. Some years will be lower. But on average, I said, let's assume 8%. And then there's a cumulative value that over time, as you begin to continue to save at larger amounts each year, and the earnings on the previous balance are added to that, your cumulative value begins to grow to reach the $2 million level by age 50. Okay, the first phylighter is, is called early bird phylighter. And early bird phylighter, he starts saving at age 25. He begins by saving $16,020 per year to make it to his goal uh, by age 50. The later phylighter starts five years later at age 30, and he's got to start by saving $26,887 a year, more than one and a half times what the early bird phylighter did. Did you get that? He waited five years and he had to pay almost one and a half times into his investments to get to the same point by 50 years old. And finally, the 10-year phylighter waits until he's 35 to start making his contributions to his investment account. When he begins his contribution, he puts in $47,699 per year. That's almost $48,000, almost $4,000 a month because he's got to catch up by the time he's 50 to get to the $2 million. This is key to understanding compounding values. By starting earlier, Early Bird only had to come up with $1,300 a month. Later, Phylighter had to come up with $2,200 a month. And 10-year Phylighter had to come up with $4,800 a month. Those are significant differences. But it's purely the time value of money that makes it so much easier for the early bird phylighter. And in this case, time in the market 
beats starting later and trying to catch up. The powerful effect of compounding over those years of contributions make a significant difference in how much you have to put in the market and get to the goal of $2 million by age 50. The loss in the time value of compounding is what this difference is made up of. That translates to $331,000 more over the period to age 50 that the early bird can actually spend and the 10-year has to actually use to catch up. The lifestyle that this early bird firelighter gets to live while working toward his $2 million goal is a whole lot more enjoyable because he can literally spend $330,000 more between 25 and 50 than the guy that starts or lady that starts at age 35. So $330,000 over that period of time, that can buy an awful lot of vacations. It can buy a car for a 16-year-old or pay for colleges, allow you to launch your children debt-free. There's a whole lot of things you can imagine you will enjoy if you make the commitment to start saving when you're younger. Now, when you're younger and you don't have any responsibilities and you're living by the seat of your pants, you may not worry about things like the long term. The reality is if you put a little effort into establishing these habits when you're young and growing them as you age, you will come out way ahead, way ahead down the road. And it's hard to think about that. Uh, when you're at a younger age and you think, I'll just catch up later. I mean, retirement is so far away. What does it matter? Well, it really matters a lot. It really matters a lot. Another nice nuance to this comparison is you can see that the early bird phylliter, by the time he's 30 years old, he's got a cumulative value of $139,000 in his investments. When the later phylliter is just beginning at the time the 25-year-old is now 35, the early bird has $342,000 when the 35-year-old 10-year phylliter just begins to start. Those are pretty steep numbers to make up over time. If you haven't been saving as you go from 25 to 35 and you step in at 35 and say, I'm going to have $2 million by the time I'm 50, I've got to save a tremendous amount of money. You ask yourself, how much did the early bird phylliter have to save over this period from 25 to 50? He actually put away $709,000 each, uh, combined all the years together, increasing his monthly amount or annual amount by 4% each year. The later phylliter that started at age 30 had to put away $859,000. So that's about 21% more of his dollars he had to put into the investments than the early bird phylliter. The 10-year phylliter that waited till 35 to start had to save a million forty-one thousand one zero four one, or 47% more dollars than the early bird phylliter because he waited 10 years before he started to get to that same destination by age 50. The compounding effect of time in the market and putting the money away earlier versus later has a significant impact on where you will end up in that future state. It may mean that 
you you reach a point where you have enough investments in your balance where you realize over your lifetime, if you want to change careers, you've got a backstop. You've got some security. You got what people sometimes call FU money in the bank. That's a situation that if you don't start saving till you're 35 and you don't have significant investments or financial security, you're probably going to not have the same psychological approach to your career. And you may not feel the liberty or freedom to risk a new job or change companies or even speak up in a meeting and say what you really think because that job becomes so important for you to make ends meet that you behave in a different way because you don't have the financial security that the early bird phylighter has. Uh, when that early bird phylighter is right in the middle part of his career, or early middle part of his career at age 35, and has $350,000 in his investment account, his confidence or her confidence is going to be a lot higher in the work, working world, where professionally in their career, their confidence is going to come across that, hey, you know what? I'm going to share what I really think about this in a meeting in a very professional way because it's something I feel strongly about. Well, other people may say, you know, that 10-year highlighter, hey, man, I got big credit card bills. I don't have any money saved for retirement. I got to keep my head low and stay below the radar and just keep making this paycheck because I got I got to start putting money away and I'm not going to take any risk, go out on any limbs, do anything that's going to upset somebody. And what happens when things get tough at those companies? What happens when a boss has to make 20% reduction to his staff because the business is feeling tough times. Not unlike the uh, energy businesses experienced during this whole COVID uh, crisis where so many businesses have had to scale back operations, shut down plants, uh, reduce headcount, shrink their expenses. When those times come, and someone looks around and says, hmm, is this person highly engaged? Are they capable of leading even if they don't have as many staff around them? Who are you going to take into battle when you get into tough times? Is it going to be someone that's engaged and confident? Or is it going to be someone that stays below the radar and just gets their job done? They don't want to make any waves or anything like that. It's a pretty easy decision to make, right? Well, I, I know I'm way off on a tangent, but one of the things that I think people uh, sometimes undervalue is the confidence that you receive when you do not have financial stress in your life. When you have your hands around your finances and you're holding spending in check, you're living comfortable, you're putting away money for retirement. You know, nobody's, you know, going, going to bed with an empty stomach. But yeah, maybe you don't take three big vacations a year. And maybe you don't buy a new car every three years. And, you know, maybe your house is a little smaller than you would like, but you have kids that are about to leave the house and go to college. Those are perspectives that can change the way you behave professionally. Uh, the psychological impact is something that 
is out there and we don't talk about that. But I can tell you personally, the day I paid my mortgage off, uh, I was prepared to lose my job. Our company had been bought by another company and I was working at corporate. So I was preparing for that moment when I was going to be told that I was no longer working. You know, my job was redundant. That very well could have occurred. I was preparing our house financially so that if I was to lose my job, our bills would be manageable uh, until I found another position. I've probably said before, I'm a CPA, working in an industry. I had public accounting experience. The accounting profession is one where there's generally jobs out there for uh, accounting professionals. So it would be a matter of time probably for me to find another job. And I may not find a job that paid at the level uh, I was making, but I wanted to be sure that our bills were small enough that it would not erode our finances if it took several months for me to find another position. Because the last thing I wanted to do was have to move my whole family. I had kids in junior high and high school, and I just wanted to leave their roots in the ground for a few more years as uh, they finished their schooling. And I knew that I'd be able to find a job uh, doing something uh, relatively near the house, probably not at the pay scale I was making. But nonetheless, that that was what, what I did. What I didn't expect to happen was my perspective to change when we became debt free. Suddenly, I realized that I was speaking up more than I used to. I was saying what I thought. I was engaging in issues that I normally, uh, believe it or not, would probably have not said anything. But that was because I didn't have those concerns in my head anymore. I didn't worry about where my next mortgage payment was coming from. I didn't worry about making sure that we didn't have a surprise in our career. All of a sudden, I was liberated. And it really changed the way I worked. I realized that you look around the table sometimes and you think to yourself, wow, that guy over there or that lady over there, they really know a lot. But it's things that you probably know as well and you're just not saying anything. Or it may not be. But the point is this, your ability to focus on your professional role is elevated when you're not worried about other things. And other things in this case might be big credit card bills, a mortgage payment, a vacation you took that you're still paying for two years later. Those kind of things just don't provide positive energy in your life. I think I've probably gone down this rabbit hole pretty hard. Uh, but the, the short story here is start saving early. It will make you feel a whole lot better about your future. And that delayed gratification is a short-term cost that has a long-term benefit that's incredible. I can tell you hindsight will help you one day say, you know what, I know it was kind of hard. We were saving $1,300 a month when we were 25 years old. And, and at the end of the day, now we can make the decision to retire early, work longer, change jobs, change careers, stay at home with the kids when, when they're still young. You know, there are a whole lot of options in life that open up when you get your hands around your finances. Now, conversely, you could be living right at the edge of your means, making credit card payments and spending the money like you got more coming in than you really do. Every house on the street may have the same cars in the driveway, maybe the same size house, but I can assure you some of those houses on that street you live on are paid for.
and they don't have mortgage payments. And some of those cars in the driveways, they paid cash for, and they don't have a car payment. Some of those kids in those houses are going to college and they're not taking out student loans. All those are possibilities and they're not just possibilities, they're realities. You choose how you want to behave in your financial life. And you will also reap the benefits psychologically by having a strong financial life where you make smart decisions. You invest earlier in your life and you start to build a retirement plan balance and it starts to build momentum with the compounding interest at time in the market is beating starting later, is beating later that becomes never. It's beating, oh no, I'm 50 and I don't have anything in my retirement account. Those are places you just don't want to be because you can make the change. You can make the decision to do the right things today to make sure that in the future you're sitting at your kitchen table and you're thinking about what do you want to do with your life in the next year instead of I have to do this because I have to make money and I have to pay the bills and I have to pay for the debts that I have from earlier in my life. I still have credit card debt. I still have a car that I'm underwater in because I traded in my cars over the the last 20 years and I never paid one off. Those are the kind of things that can really happen. So just be smart. Make those smart decisions today. Well, that's it for segment three. Let me clarify something I just thought about. You know, I I said I, I, I many times, but I really meant to say we, 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 we. Um, I want to be crystal clear that without a a spouse that was a partner in all these goals and objectives and the way we handled our finances, it wouldn't have been possible. A big shout out to, to my wife for her support and her participation and her being part of the team that uh, accomplished our goals personally. This is a point that you you just can't overlook is both of you need to be on the same page. And having a routine, regular discussion about your family finances is probably something that some of you feel like is is worse than having a root canal. It's actually not. It's a healthy thing to do. You'll both be better off for it. And you both have the perspective on what your rationale is. So when you're making decisions, you understand what the other person is thinking a little bit, maybe not completely, but a little bit. If I value making sure we're well taken care of for our financial retirement, and my wife is thinking, I want to make sure we have a great entertainment experience this year, those two goals could potentially have a conflict. That's not a uh, unreasonable expectation that they're going to be in conflict. But the perspective of, I got to live a little on the yellow brick road. I can't just put money away from retirement and still experience life. You got to have a balance, okay? You got to have a balance. You need to live a little and you need to save a little and you can do both. Just realize you can do both. You can work together. You can find a solution where everyone wins and uh, you still save for your retirement. You get your company match and, and your family still gets to go on a nice trip in the summer or maybe a spring break trip or maybe this year you do a big trip and next year you do a small trip or this year you do a big trip and next year you do a uh, staycation 
And you'll be surprised to find there's other people that are doing a staycation as well. I didn't figure this out early in my career. Uh, I figured it out in plenty of time. It was interesting. My boss always seemed to take off for spring break, okay? He always took off for spring break. And when your kids are younger and they're not even in school yet, you find you're the guy that's actually working during spring break. And then when your kids start to get in school and get spring break off, you realize hey, I'm taking this week off. Or more likely, your wife is telling you, we are taking off this week. The kid's out of school. We're going to go somewhere or we're going to do some things, whatever the case might be. But you begin to put value on those family experiences and that commitment that you know you will be spending time with your family during that week. All right, so what have we learned today? We like to give you actionable tips so we can move forward and utilize some of these things we've talked about. How do you avoid these missteps on your path to financial independence? Well, number one, don't even buy it. Then you don't have to look at it, whatever it is, hanging in the closet or sitting in the garage or whatever it is. Just don't even buy it. Second, if you can't afford to pay off your card, don't even make the purchase. But if you have a balance, you can get guaranteed return on investment or ROI just by paying off your credit card balance. A guarantee of say 15 to 20%. That's why it's generally better to pay off your credit card debt than put money in new investments. The next thing is just start investing now. Not next month, not next quarter, not next year. Stop it with the excuses. Just get started. You might want to start first with anything you have matching benefits with uh, your employer, for instance. If they're matching a 401k or 403b contribution, then be sure and utilize what they're giving you in your retirement account. Next, you might want to consider a Roth or traditional IRA contribution, particularly if you are within the income limits and you get a tax benefit for that. And the third thing is you, you can build your after-tax investment account. It's generally a good idea to have a combination of several different buckets of money in case you want to utilize a strategy that uses pre-tax money or one that uses after-tax money, depending on what your brackets are. For instance, when your income is fairly high, you may want to live off after-tax investment accounts. But when your income drops, you can take withdrawals from pre-tax accounts and pay taxes at a lower tax rate. By having multiple options, you have the opportunity to utilize the best strategy that saves on taxes. This week, I'll challenge you with these items. Number one, sleep on any purchases greater than $100 at least one night before you proceed with the purchase. Many of these items will just die. You won't even want to buy them the next day. Next, if you're carrying a balance on a credit card, Make a plan to pay it off as quick as possible. Adjust your spending near term until the crazy balance is gone. And third, automate transfers monthly of every paycheck into your investment account. Automating these transfers makes it seamless and reliable and consistent. If you don't even have an account, you may want to read post number 8.0. Just do it. Take action and build your investment confidence. It's automatic. It's a good post that talks about setting up an account and getting started on investing in an automatic way. Please make an effort to move the ball forward on your path to financial independence. Any of these things would be a great start in moving forward. Please also remember we are not tax or investment experts and are not or in any way providing expert advice. Please seek your own tax, legal, or other professional advice and counseling when you're making financial decisions. 
This is Lambo, the Phi Lighter. Remember, mind the gap. Income minus expenses equals the gap. Grow the gap. Stay tuned, and we'll be back with another Phi Lighter episode. We're here, and we're glad you're there. Have a great week. Many of you have asked, what can you do to help spread the Phylighter message? Here are three ways you can help. Number one, share a link to the podcast with someone you think would benefit from this content. You probably know like-minded people that would enjoy the Phylighter life as much as you do. Number two, if you use Apple's podcast player, write a review. These are particularly helpful to the others exploring our podcasts and help the search algorithms place value on the Phylighter community. Number three, hit subscribe on whatever podcast player you're using. We want you to be the first to get the latest episodes when they're released. That's it. I would really appreciate it if you could do any or all three of these things. My goal is to highlight or highlight relevant information on each of your paths to financial independence. A wealth of information will benefit you, whether you're a millennial or young boomer, It may be only that you need to change your course heading just a few degrees to make early retirement a reality. We will continue to explore the issues and topics in front of young boomers as well as valuable lessons for the millennials to accelerate everyone's path to FI. Remember, mind the gap. Income plus. Expenses minus. The result is the gap. Grow the gap. Remember to subscribe wherever you enjoy the Phylighter podcast to receive new content as it's released. I look forward to your comments, feedback, and engagement with other Phylighters. You can also subscribe to the Phylighter Facebook page. Links are available in the show notes. I'm Lambo. Let's clear your path to financial independence. Make it happen. Grow the gap. This is Lambo, the Phylighter. If you're hungry for more, visit phylighter.com. Buckle up, downshift, and dump the clutch. You are in for an accelerated ride into your financial future with Lambo, the Phi Lighter. This episode was recorded January 22nd, 2021.